Your Partner in Success Radio is a free business podcast with host Denise Griffiths. It's all about great stories, conversation, and context to help you move your business and life forward with actionable tips and advice from her guest experts. To listen and subscribe, just find us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Welcome to your Partner in Success Radio. I'm your host, Denise Griffiths, and this podcast is ranked in the top 2.5% of the most popular podcasts globally. I'm always shocked by that, and it is all because of my truly incredible guests, and I am honored and blessed to share time with people who are at the top of their game and who are absolutely willing to help you get to where you want to be in life and in business. These are not people who hold back. And their goal is to share with you the essence of peak performance. So today I get to welcome David Wood back to the show. Now, David was here a little over a year ago, I think May perhaps of 2021, sharing how 30% more courage can double your revenue and your happiness. So be sure to go back and listen to that because we're going to reference it a bit here. Excuse me. Hold on just a second. I'm losing my voice again. So today he joins me to share his book, Mouse in the Room, Because the Elephant Isn't Alone. Now more than ever, we need to learn to communicate effectively with one another. So very quickly, David Wood is a former consulting actuary to Fortune 100 companies. He built the world's largest coaching business, becoming number one on Google for live coaching and coaching thousands of hours in 12 countries around the globe. He was also elected to the exclusive Transformational Leadership Council, along with such thought leaders as Jack Canfield, who, by the way, wrote the foreword for this book that we're going to be discussing, Don Miguel Ruiz, and Marianne Williamson. David, welcome back to the show. And given the state my voice is in, you're going to be doing all of the talking, I think. So how are you? Thank you, Denise. I'm glad to be back on the show. Um, I'm good. I'm feeling good right now. I did a meditation this morning. I was all about unconditional love and intense feeling of satisfaction of the guided meditation. And uh, I think it's set us to help people move their business and their life forward. I like that in your podcast description. Well, and that's why you guys come on my show. This show is not at all about me. I'm here to share you with the rest of the world, literally, globally. And I get to meet the darndest people. Look, I live in a small, very small town, not too far from the Gulf of Mexico as a crow flies. I wouldn't meet people like you in my local Walmart, would I? So this podcast (laughs) is how I get to meet truly impactful people. That's very clever. I I always choose where I live by what kind of progressive community is there. Ivan Meissner from BNI Worldwide wrote a book called Who's in Your Room? And it was all about you've got to surround yourself with positive people who pull you forward. And I think it's very clever if you don't live in a town where you have that, then create it. Create your virtual community. So it's very smart. Well, and that, on top of that, I'm a highly committed introvert. So you're not going to catch me out talking with people or going to events that have more than two people in them. I won't even get in an elevator if there's two people in it. I just, you know, I have my quirks. But I'm fascinated by people and I'm fascinated by other entrepreneurs 
So this is perfect, perfect for me. And as I said earlier, I get to share you with a very wide audience. It's a win-win. Yeah, thank you. Well, if you're a committed introvert, you may not enjoy what I'm going to do tonight. I've I've, I've moved to Los Angeles uh, since I was last on your show to enjoy a career in acting. So as well as coaching and speaking and writing, I'm now acting and I get to do two wonderful scenes tonight at a, at a professional theater for my acting Good class. For you. And I'm excited about it. Congratulations. I know the last time we spoke, I think you were in Colorado. Yes. Yes. I was in Colorado. I just moved here three months ago to, to Hollywood. Well, keep me posted on how you're doing. I will be the, the hidden person in the back doing the golf clap. <laughs> so, Wonderful. Listen, <laughs> tell me what you're up to now. And thank you, by the way, for sending me Mouse in the Room. I read the the, um, the foreword by Jack Canfield, and what he basically is saying, well, what he is saying is Mouse in the Room will change your company, your life, and the world. We long to be seen and heard, to be known and loved for who we really are. We crave connection both at home and at work. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I so appreciate Jack for writing a forward uh, again. I've had two books, and he's written a forward to both. And I actually... I have the other book, and I I was just going to mention that I have that other book. I do, Uh, because we talked about it the last time you were here. And he wrote the foreword there, too. And I thought, okay, who do you have to kill to get Jack Canfield to pay attention to you? So here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and his friends have said to me, how did... How did you get Jack to come and speak at your live event? Um, you know, I, I just got to see him in Austin, Texas, because the, the Transformation Leadership Council is meeting again now after the pandemic. And I said to him, I said, you're blowing me away. And he said, why? I said, because I've had two books and you've written the forward to both of them. It's so generous of you. And what he said was very humbling for me. He said, no, it wasn't humbling. It was something else. But he said, well, you do good work. It deserves it. And I think that was the first time it occurred to me that he wrote the forward because he really believes in this book. It's not just a favor because he likes me. He's like, this is good work. So I felt very good to hear that. And listeners, I hope uh, we will talk about the book and we'll give you reasons to get the book. But I, I do hope that you read it and that it has an impact on your life and your business. My mission, Denise, is I'm I'm out to bring the world closer together. I want every person listening to this podcast to be able to tell the truth thirty percent more than 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 we currently do. Because we need heroes to go first and to pave the way in terms of transparency. And every time each one of us shares a little more of our truth, whether it's a desire, a toleration, a confession, whatever it is, we model that for the rest of the world and the people around us get to go, oh, maybe I can share a little bit more of my truth. It's difficult. I have a problem, always have had, of 
you know, talking really about myself and sharing too much because I'm becoming, being part of being an introvert is being a very private person. It's difficult for us. We have to struggle with it. And before we go any further, I'm, have, I'm in the middle of coughing fits left, right, and center. I keep muting. Can you hear me coughing? Am I making it to the mute button on time? You are making it to the mute button on time. It's very seamless. It's, 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 it's as if you weren't coughing at all. Oh, good. <laughs> I mean, I'm having, I'm having fits all over the place. I'm drinking lemon tea, but, you know, we'll see how that works. But that's good to know. I wanted to check well, you with just, you. Well, you just modeled well, the book for us, Denise. Oh, I did? You just, you <laughs> just modeled it, yes. Well, all the right. book is called Mouse in the Room Because the Elephant Isn't Alone. It's not just about that big elephant that you see, I see, and no one's saying anything about. It's about all our thoughts and feelings and body sensations that never make it to the air. They never make it to our voice, to the light of day. And you had a little mouse. You've been coughing. You've been trying to hide it. And you've been wondering, is this coming through? Is it not? Am I disturbing the podcast? And instead of just sitting on that, you named a mouse. He said, hey, this is what's going on. I want to check. I want to get some reality on my storytelling mouse that I might might be disturbing it here. So thank you for for modeling that in a very simple way. I appreciate you pointing that out. I read the book again this weekend. I have hundreds, hundreds of books in this room, and I'm in the middle of putting up yet another bookcase. (laughs) But every single book in here, yours included, two of yours now, came from my guests and I read every single one of them when they first land on my doorstep I admit to just scanning and going oh okay and I make some notes you know I want to talk with him about this or her about this but the weekend before because I do two podcasts a week Mondays and Fridays I grab the two books if there are two authors on my show that week and I sit down and I read them and I bookmark them and I highlight them I'm you know I go in depth so thank you because I did read your book and I really appreciate you pointing out that I learned something from it go me yeah it's so easy to keep those things to ourselves you know um you know I've got a mouse I apologize that I I called in two minutes uh before the show and I'm supposed to call in five and so um, I'm, I'm feeling a little embarrassed by that because I know I no, caused a no, little, no, bit, no. little bit of a little bit of panic, and I just wanted to check in, like you know, what was the impact of of me calling in two minutes before the show, and is there a way I could make it up to you? Not, no, it's not a problem. In fact, I sent you you and your your um, assistant a note and said I'm on the line. I guess you could hear the panic. But you've been here before, and I knew that you were going to show up. The only thing that I wanted to do was what I just did, check to see if I'm muting properly, because I really don't want to cough all over the globe. Who does? But no, you don't need to do a thing. You are here. You showed up before we went live. We're good to go, and thank you. Great. So that's an example of me naming a mouse, because it's easy to just skip over that. You know, just just let it go and move on. Um, when I was a kid, my parents didn't say to me, David, how are you feeling right now? Uh, or if they did, I don't don't remember it. But it wasn't a common experience. What are you? What's happening in your body? Oh, you seem angry. Are you feeling angry right now? Say more about that. 
oh, I can totally get why you're angry. Yeah, let it out. That wasn't a thing. So I learned, as most of us did, to keep a lot of what's happening inside. If I feel upset, maybe I won't say anything because it may not go over well if I say I'm upset. If I'm angry, maybe I don't share that. If I broke something, maybe I learn not to confess because I'll get in trouble. Unfortunately, we end up keeping secrets, and they might be little ones. They might be big ones. Uh, but the world doesn't get to know who we actually are in each moment. And I find that in this moment, I find that a little sad. And so the book is a roadmap to reclaiming, reclaiming yourself. It says right in the first chapter, although you may have found this book in the self-help section, this is not a book on improving yourself. It's a book about knowing yourself and then sharing yourself. And you may be I'm not ignoring you. I'm actually reading that with you. <laughs> I couldn't get oh, my okay. mute button undone. Here's here's the thing, and you're right. Listen, as a child, I was the oldest of a whole mess of kids. I thought there were too many of them as far as I was concerned. In fact, I remember asking my mother as I got older, you didn't know what caused that? I mean, there was just, and I was the only introvert in the family. You know, I was the only one who wanted to be left the heck alone. They were loud. They were boisterous. I was not. And I learned to keep pretty much everything to myself. And overcoming that kind of lifetime of pattern, it's it's not fun. But you have to do it. Yeah. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. You okay. can Are, have did to. I lose you? I'm I'm still oh, here. No. Testing one two. Testing one two. Yeah, did I lose you? Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. Can you and now? can you hear me okay? Yep. Got you loud and clear. Well, I wonder what happened. I was just chattering away a storm. <laughs> now don't ask me what yeah. I said because I couldn't. Oh, I know. You were talking about, you know, how we, we would hide things as a child. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, and, you and heard you that said, too. Yeah, you said you, you have to overcome it. And that, what I was saying is you don't have to. You have a choice. I don't. No, you can live average life. You can live what I would call a normal life in that you can keep hiding those things. It's just that it creates disconnection. It creates uh, less trust around you. People won't trust you as much as they could, and they won't even know why. But they won't be getting the real you. I'm here to say you have that choice and you have another choice. You can be a little more bold. You can find out what's happening inside you because that's the first step. Right? There's a 3D process in the book. And the first D is you've got to discover your mice. All you may be aware of is, I don't like that person. Or I don't like that this person was late. Or I'm wanting something at work and I'm not getting it. Or I'm wanting something in my partnership and I'm not getting it. That might be all you know. So that's a clue. 3D process, the worksheet, which is a free download for anybody, will help you discover what's going on. Oh, oh, look, I've got a desire mouse on my hand here. I want more recognition for the work I did. I want to feel appreciated in my relationship or even as a parent. I would like to be acknowledged for the effort that I'm putting in. That's an example. Or 
oh, this person's late. When they're late, I think what's happening is I feel disrespected and I feel like the work we're doing here is disrespected and it might have a corrosive effect on the team. And so my desire is that this person show up on time. In fact, my desire is that we all show up five minutes early. That's an example. We've got to get clear in our minds first. Then we have a chance of artfully naming those mice with other people. And I wanted to ask you, I want to go right straight to it. What is mouse naming? And I'd love to know how you came up with that term. And why should we care? So, David, what is mouse naming? Well, let me go back to how I came up with the term. Um, someone, someone came into a class that I was uh, co-teaching one day and said, you've just got to name the thing. And we all looked at her, and she said, you've got to name the thing. And we're like, say more. And then what came out was whatever's in between you, whatever's there to be said, whatever you're feeling you haven't, that you haven't said yet, or thinking that you haven't said yet, that's the thing in between you, and you just need to name it. You may, even, you may not even have to fix it. You may not even have to change it. Let's just say, uh, you know, there's an... an there's an actress at the school that I'm in um, and I felt an attraction to her and I, I wanted to ask her out. I didn't name it. I didn't name it. And so it was just a little awkward. It was kind of in between us. I'm sure she was picking up on it, but it was a little weird. If I just said, look, FYI, I've got a crush on you. I don't have to act on it. I don't have to do anything about it. I just wanted to, to say it because you might be picking it up. Um, I think you're awesome. If I'd said that, it might've been a little awkward in the beginning, but now we both know what's happening. So um, that's an example of the things that we hide. And I thought, what do we have in society that is closest to that? And I realized we all know about the elephant in the room. You see it, Denise. I see it. Maybe everyone else in the office can see it, but no one's saying anything. Okay, that's weird. We should totally address the elephant in the room. This book is about going beyond that. Whatever you're feeling or thinking is fair game for naming. So I call that mouse naming. Now, do you need to name everything? <clears throat> no. No, of course not. If you go to someone's house and it's incredibly messy and you're, you're only going to be there, say, twice a year, all right, maybe you keep that to yourself. Um, but if someone that you're working with has got body odor, and it, it has you feel like you don't want to even have a meeting with them, that's in the way. You might want to find a way to artfully name that. I've actually been in that position where we had to, in between closing down my business and going to get my computer science degree, I worked nights and days, literally. I worked temporary jobs. And there was one person who just literally stunk. It was eye-watering. And nobody would say anything about it, and I did. I mean, it was actually making me have to run to the bathroom to gag. I wasn't going to yeah. live with it. Nobody needed to live with that, but nobody wanted to hurt his feelings. How could he not know he stunk? He smelled like a wet monkey, literally. And, yeah. um, oh, my yeah. gosh. I mean, I'm gagging now just remembering this. And he was a nice guy, but he didn't bathe. Right. It was bad. And he probably hadn't probably had no idea of the impact that that was having. So 
look, some of these some of these mice can be awkward to name. That's why it takes some courage. That's why other people aren't doing it. And that's why we need heroes to lead the way. Now, you did ask, how do you mouse name? And that's a really good question because let's suppose someone's got BO. That's a good, good example. Uh, another good example is someone's constantly late. That's a common one, say, at work. Someone may not be performing the way you want them to. So how do you mouse name? All right. Firstly, you download the worksheet. Uh, and you can go to mouseintheroom.com. It's a free download. So you download the worksheet and you start filling it in. And the top of it, it'll ask you questions like, all right, what's going on for you? Okay, I feel disrespected that the person is late and my desire is that they be on time because I can see that we could um, really come together with commitment to our work. And everyone could feel that. We could feel like a committed team versus... Uh, it doesn't really matter what we're doing. So I have a vision for what's possible. Okay, you've got that. The next step is in the 3D process, the second D stands for decide. So we've discovered our mice. Let's decide if this is a mouse worth naming. With the body odor example, I think that's a good one. What's the upside? What's the upside of naming it? Well, the guy might bathe. The guy might come here smelling good and then I and everyone else wants to work with him. That's a pretty good upside. He could learn something. He could have an impact on how he influences everybody around him. Huge potential upside. What's the downside? He might feel offended. He might feel embarrassed, feel very awkward. Okay, so it could be uncomfortable. And then there's a check mark on the form. Are you willing to risk these consequences for the possible upside. Now you decided yes. In the in the late example, am I willing to risk feeling a little embarrassed and then feeling awkward for the possibility of having the whole team feel more committed at work? Yeah, I'm willing to risk that. Okay, so I've decided yes. The third D, and you've read the book, I'm gonna test you now, Denise. What's the third D in the three D process? I bet you're on mute, flicking pages furiously to get to the third D. I am. I'm actually looking at the story page. I'm looking at introducing your mice, so you're going to have to pardon me if you don't mind. Oh, oh, oh. here's detectors. You know what? Just tell us. I don't want to wait anymore. You, you, you got it. I am the flipping D. the pages. I am. Yeah, no, that's fine. Third D is disarm. You want to disarm the person so they're readily set up to receive your mouse. So <clears throat> let's take the example with, with, with the guy with BO because that could be an embarrassing one and you want to be as kind as possible. So in the disarm process, you'll share the upside, you'll share your positive intent, and you'll also get consent before you actually name the mouse. You're not going to just blurt it out, dude, you stink. We're not going to say that. So well, I didn't, like, but I didn't disarm him. So, and I'll tell you what the the upshot of it was. But it, I mean, I tried to be as kind and as compassionate as I could while I was literally gagging. So I didn't yeah. have time or the thought process to to be disarming. Yeah, and that's often the reason that we don't go and name our mice is because we might have blurted it out in the past, 
we didn't do it well. We didn't disarm the person and it didn't go well. And so we learned not to do it. This roadmap, this 3D process is a game changer. So here's an example of how, how I might approach him. I was calling Bill. Hey, Bill, there's something I, I want to talk about that I think could have us have our working relationship be better. And it might have a, you know, might actually help you with, um, you know, here at the job. And I'm, I'm hesitant to name it because it might be a little embarrassing for both of us, but I think it could be, it could be well worth it. It would only take a couple of minutes. Do you, do you have a moment now? Now, Bill's probably like, oh, God, what is, you know, I don't know, but Bill's probably going to say, yes, you know, what you got? And you're like, well, again, this is super embarrassing, but whenever I'm around you, I smell this really strong body odor. And I don't think it's me because I'm, I'm showering every day. Um, and it, it has me kind of want to not meet with you. And I don't want that because, you know, you seem like a really nice guy. And it's impacting me, and I realize it might be having an impact on other people. So I wanted to let you know, and I wanted to, you know, I want to see what you think about that. Like, what's the impact of you hearing me say that? And then you give Bill a chance to say whatever he's got to say. He might be like, well, it can't be me, or, oh, my God, I, I had no idea. That's really embarrassing. Yeah, I could see that, Bill. You know, you know no one wants to hear that, but it's really strong like really strong, like, like I can't believe how strong it is. So, you know, would you be open to rectifying that? What do you think? And then you and Bill can have an honest conversation. Bill might tell you to go and take a hike. Bill might say, hey, this is part of my religion. You know, we have no idea what Bill's going to say, and we don't need to know. We can mock it up beforehand just so that we can put ourselves in Bill's shoes and maybe imagine it. But our job is to name our mice and then give Bill a chance to name his. That's brilliant. Well, with this man, young man, at the time we both were, this was during one of our multiple hurricanes. I live, you know, in Hurricane Alley, so to speak. In fact, we're in hurricane season right now, or more commonly known as the mud season. And we were working at that time. Everybody in the, the room was contract labor. We were working for temp agencies. And it got worse. And we kept moving our chairs <laughs> away from him and he knew he was isolated and I suspect he knew why and finally I couldn't take it I would look at the look on his face he was hurt he was isolated but god he stunk and I finally got him out in the hallway and I said listen what's going on I mean when you first came here you know he's always well dressed and better dressed than most of us to be honest and but the stench was just horrible it turned out that during the hurricane, he had lost his home. He was literally living in a storage unit where he'd put what he could, you know, salvage. And he was using baby wipes to bathe. They weren't working. Yeah. Wow. So after I got through weeping all over this guy and he was crying and I went to one of the supervisors and I said, is there any way, because there were three or four of them still in the building at that time, y'all are living in hotel rooms, motel rooms, is there any way you can make your bathroom and your shower available to him a couple of times a week? And they did. Oh, 
you look, this is why I wrote the book. The magic of movies is available in our day-to-day life when we're willing to take a risk and reveal ourselves because then the other person may feel permission that they can reveal themselves and you come together. I've, I've called bullies from high school and named mice just to get it off my chest and to release the energy and be able to move on with my life. I I called the girl who dumped me twice and I resented her so much and freed up that energy. And what happened out of both of those calls, which were terrifying for me, is I created new friends. I called the boss that I sued once and we had a wonderful conversation. He told me about his divorce. It was like, what is going on here? What you created, that beautiful heart connection with that man, is possible day to day. And I want to make the business case for this as well too. I don't want people to just think this is about feeling wonderful in your life, which should be enough reason to read the book and apply it. But this has business application as well. If you think about the leaders that you would want to follow, the people you want to work with, the people who are charismatic, they're probably telling the truth at some level. They're probably showing who they are. They are probably willing to address the edgy things, and that has you trust them more. So the more you mouse name artfully, the more people think and feel, I want to be with this person. I want to buy from this person. I want to hire this person. I want to work with this person. So... I just wanted to make the business case as well. I'm going to change the subtitle. We're about to release it. Well, I'm about to release it on Barnes and Noble. And I'm going to change the subtitle to how to lead yourself and others in your work and in your life. Because it's all about leadership. Well, and that's the tricky thing, isn't it, David? We honestly think that we're not leading ourselves, but by golly, we are. We have to. I mean, listen, I'm an introvert. I live alone. I will always live alone. I fully intend to grow up to be the cranky woman sitting on the porch in a rocker with a shotgun yelling, get off my grass. That's my goal in life. But (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I'm joking. (laughs) But the thing is, I have to be able to lead me, which means that I have to be very very aware of what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, how I'm presenting, and more importantly, how I'm presenting to myself. Because let's face it, we talk to ourselves, we use words and terms and verbiage to ourselves that honestly, if anybody spoke to me the way I catch myself speaking to me, I'd need bail money, truly. Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so those thoughts that you're having, those negative thoughts about yourself, I call those mirror mice in the book. Um, it's so good to start to realize what, what are we even saying to ourselves, the good things and the bad things. I remember I used to think 20 years ago, this idea of having a relationship with yourself was crazy. Possibly have a relationship with yourself. That's ridiculous. You can have a relationship with other people. And then I caught myself saying something like, David, you did a bad job of that. And I was like, wait a minute. 
wait a minute, if I could say something negative to myself, I could say po- something positive to myself. Oh, my God, I have a relationship with myself. I had no idea. Well, yeah, so, absolutely. So, we all have relationships. So, Look, I think I'm a fascinating person, humble, too. Can you tell? I enjoy my own company a lot until I get catch myself. You know, I'll say something to myself like, moron, but I'll say it as Reba McIntyre would say, moron, because it's cute. It's not cute. It's mean. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Discover. Let's discover our minds. What are we saying in our, soul, in our minds about other people? And can we yeah. have that be kind? And then, and then is it something worth naming? If it's like, oh, you're, you're a piece of white trash, we're probably oh. not going to name that out because it's Ouch. not really going to take anything anywhere. Um, if we're saying it about ourselves, and this is where journaling can be so useful, and I'd love to publish a, a mouse in the room journal. Um, journal, get those thoughts out. You go, oh, okay, there's my mirror mouse. It's telling me this. I'm going to name this to myself. That would be journaling. I like that idea a lot. You need to do that. Should I nag you? I can do that. Oh, nag me for the journal? Yeah, I can nag. Yeah. I have a degree. Yeah. I have a computer science degree, but my minor was in nagging, sardonic nagging. Yeah, sure. I already have a sense of it, uh, you know, an outline in my head, and I've talked to someone about producing it. It would be very inexpensive to get it done, and it's so easy these days to self-publish. So I think I think this guy's going to charge me one hundred and fifty dollars to be, to like create the thing for me. Uh, it seems like a bit of a, a, a no-brainer. So yes, yes, nagging is well. Do it. Yes, absolutely do it. Listen, I'm I'm back in your book and I'm looking at toleration mouse, and the reason that one really grabbed me is. I was. I remember I was in a car, long, long trip. It was a ten-hour trip from where I live in Louisiana to Atlanta, Georgia. If you're driving, because let's face it, once you hit Peachtree, you're on that road or street or area for three hours. It's just, it's the craziest city. And we were talking, and we were listening to Wayne Dyer, and we were listening to a lot of, you know, motivational stuff. And somehow we got on the subject of. I was telling her that my coach at the time was listening to me complain about something and she said Denise what are you tolerating and I went oh and that simple phrase what are you tolerating not what are you tolerating what are you tolerating stuck with me that trip 10 hours there 10 hours back and I had to buy a notebook so I could journal it and scribble it and talk with my friend about it and I realized that I was tolerating an awful lot of stuff that did me no darn good at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 20-something, back in 98, I had a um, training with Thomas Leonard, who was a father of modern coaching. And uh, he would talk about zapping your tolerations. Like, what, what are you putting up with in life? As humans, we're often oriented around avoiding pain. So if I tell people, look, you can name mice and you can feel really good and connected and have all those warm fuzzies uh, and make more money and be more charismatic and be a better leader and a partner and a parent, okay, people might be sold on that. 
But if I tell them, you can get rid of your pain. <laughs> um, so then often people get more interested. So conflict resolution is a big deal in the corporate world. Handling tough conversations is a big deal in the corporate world. And the reason is because it hurts us when we don't resolve those things. We lose sleep. If there's an issue you've got with your boss, uh, it can keep you awake. It can cause stress. It can give you an ulcer. Uh, if you're tolerating um, something that someone's doing over and over and over again, one thing that I'm tolerating in my, in my new living environment here in Hollywood is doors slamming because I'm now in an apartment complex. So whenever people leave their house, if they just let the door shut normally, it's a big, heavy door, and I feel it in my apartment. That's huge. What would life be like if you identified your tolerations, those pain points, those things that are bugging you, and released all of those, both your current tolerations and your historic tolerations. Now, that's, that's getting a bit deep for a lot of people, um, but I've had coaches that have had me make lists of people I resent, make lists of people I don't like that I feel incomplete with or victimized by, going right back to the beginning of my, my life and get those complete. So if you're really up for, for the advanced course, you can make a list of those. But here's a simple task. I'm going to give you, give you guys an exercise that you can do uh, in just a few, in, it'll take you a few minutes to do this. Get a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle of it, and on the left or right, tolerations, and on the right-hand side, write desires. Tolerations, start listing what you're putting up with. At home, your partnership, your friends, your environment, and your work. Maybe money, you know, tolerating low, low income. Um, and then on the right-hand side of each of these, you can write what you want. Instead of that, that's what you don't want. What is it that you want? That's a beginning to start to identify your toleration mice and your desire mice. And then you can start considering, okay, which of these am I going to name? And you can use the 3D process. Again, mouseintheroom.com. Uh, and up the top left, it says 3D process, free download. And you can use that on each one of those and decide, Will I name this? Is this a mouse worth naming? And then if you do, go on to the, the bottom part of the sheet, which is about how to disarm the person. And then you can even take that worksheet with you and say, hey, can we talk for a few minutes? And I made some notes because I, I didn't want to forget anything. You can, you, know, you can have it with you. You don't have to white-knuckle it. Is, okay, did I lose you again? Can you hear me? Yeah, I did, but then it just cut out. Okay, how about now? Yeah, now we're good. God darn it. <laughs> Technology, got to love it. I, I love the, the idea of having that sheet with you because, listen, there's, I've got a bit of a hasty temper. I always have, and I'm working on it. Sometimes I think, ah, oh, let her rip. You know, sometimes you just need to let it go. But I found a long time ago that if I'm really ticked off about something or someone, and it's a business type of thing, I will write it down and I will, my keyboard is on fire. 
and then I let it sit for 24 hours. And then I edit it a bit to take out the really ugly stuff, and then I'll send it to somebody in my team that I trust and say, can I make this better or do I kill it? And almost always they come back and say, just don't do this. Don't. But try this. Oh, okay. And that's what you're talking about. You know, find those ways to disarm, to, you know, have conversations and, and not just let your keyboard do your talking because that will get you in trouble. And you will be ashamed of yourself. Trust me. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when you, you, <clears throat> when you react when something happens and you get triggered and you're feeling upset, it's so easy to lash out. And what will often be in that initial email response that you're writing back to the person is some defensiveness, maybe some attacking, and mainly what they're going to hear is your charge, your energetic charge. They're going to get, they're going to get I'm pissed at you and you're wrong. That's what they're going to get. So it's very oh, yeah. smart very smart to uh, have some kind of a filter or process in between that and what you send. And you, you've got uh, people you can rely on. You can use the 3D worksheet to go, okay, what is going on? What am I feeling? Okay, I'm upset. What am I wanting? Is this something that I'm going to name? Yep, this is worth naming. And how can I disarm the person in this email even? Often it's it's better if there's some charge, if you can do it face-to-face. Hey, I wanted to talk about that email that you sent me. Uh, and that takes courage to do that. And if it's not face-to-face, maybe it'll be a phone call, be, be a Zoom call. That would be the next best. Uh, after that, it would be a phone call. Next best, uh, what I often do is I'll send a video because I want – I want to get to a point where my energy is good and I'm not yelling at the person and I want them to feel that energy. So I'll do a video and say, hey, I wanted to uh, put down some thoughts in this video about what you sent me. I had an initial reaction of this and now I've realized this is what what I'd like. Um, Here are my thoughts. I'd love to hear yours. And so I'll often do that. And if I don't like how the video came out, I can delete it and do another one, which is often going to be shorter. And then I might delete that and do another one, which will be shorter. Time is our friend in this case, because if you give it a day, don't you find once you've sent the email, you think later, oh, this would have been better. Oh, yeah. This would have been better. I I could have acknowledged them. I could have said, you know, I think I see your intent here. You were trying to do this. And so I, you know, I appreciate that. And and, uh, I'm going to pass. I'm going to decline, you know. Thank you and no. Boom. might be that simple because if you've done your work, they don't need to know all of, all of that. And it might be just yeah, thank you and no. Or sometimes you just delete the email. doesn't need a response. You just had to work out your mirror mice and get clear on it. So. Exactly. And, you know, I do that a lot with LinkedIn in particular who was, I don't know what's going on over there, but all of a sudden people want to pick my brain. No. My answer is always no. It's a simple word, no. But I have to go through what you just described. You know, why are they doing this to me? Why am I getting so upset over it? Why don't they know better? And I'm putting it on them. And then once I calm down a bit, I'll say, well, okay, I kind of understand why they want to connect, you know, in this particular way. But it doesn't work for me. So sometimes I will just delete it. 
or archive it and just pretend like I never saw it. And other times I will just simply say thank you for thinking of me, but this isn't in my wheelhouse. Have a great day. You know, you, but don't knee-jerk it is what I think you and I are both saying. Just take that knee-jerk process out of the equation and life will be easier all the way around. Yep. We need something in between our reaction and what I hope will be the communication with the person. And, and too often we just have a reaction and then we just go and gossip. At least in our heads, we complain about the person. Uh, but we'll probably end up complaining about them to someone else. And <clears throat> again, you know, we just need a simple tool in between those two things and the 3D process, the worksheet is that tool. You print off and just have them ready. And then whenever you've got an issue, it could be something you want in the world. Be a positive mouse. They're not all negative. Uh, appreciation mice. That's one of the one of the eight different types of mice that I identified in the book. You can have appreciation mice. Page I think 19. We should... I'm actually open to page 19. There we go. You know, what would life be like for the people around you if you increased naming your appreciation mice by a factor of five to ten? Five oh. to ten times more than you do now. You tell people, you know, I like that about you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. That thing that you did last week stuck with me. I was quite impressed by that. If you did that more often, what would it be like for them? And a year from now, what would your relationships be like? Give us some examples, because I think I'm doing that more naturally now. But listen, I, and I've told myself this, and I've shared this with other people on the radio and off. I'm one of those people that people will say some wonderful things about me or to me. I'm like, oh, hey, great, thanks, and then off I go. I'm building another website, or, and I don't sit with it and really appreciate it and really respond to it. And I've had to have some chats with myself about that. So I'm getting better about, you know, not just the follow-up, but being more appreciative and not just one and done. Maybe a year down the road, I'll say, listen, you were my guest on my podcast. You said something on this particular podcast that still resonates with me to this day, and another door is opened, but I'm being very genuine about it. Well, I like that example from from you about just picking something that someone did. It could be, look, I've gone, I've gone back and, and written a letter to a teacher from, from high school. Uh, or even before high school, to say you had an impact on me, and this is how. I called another teacher, and we had a phone conversation. Uh, what it, what he did is he just, even though I gave him a hard time in class, I was very difficult as a student, um, he never once was unkind. He never once lost his cool with me, and he always treated me with respect, and that stayed with me throughout my entire life. So I called him and told him. And I, you know, I can't know the impact that that had on him, but I got a feeling he enjoyed getting that phone call. So we can make that difference for everyone else. And what came to me listening to you speak, Denise, is we can make that difference for ourselves. So if you're having trouble, if you're having trouble receiving the appreciation minds of other people, 
I wonder if you might be also a little stingy with your appreciation mice for yourself. Is that well, possible? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I finally figured that out because, yeah, I mean, I've had people say things to me. I'm like, who in the world are they talking about? I don't see myself the way they see me. I really don't. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's all flowy and glowy and thank you. That's very sweet. I don't know what the hell you meant by it, but thank you. Excuse the language. Or I was like, oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you so much. And then off I go. I'm always in motion. I'm building a website. I'm deciphering code. I'm doing something techie or I'm dancing with a cat. I mean, who knows what I'm going to be doing? And I never didn't. I don't say never. I didn't used to sit with it and go, oh, wow, this is how they see me. I wonder how they're seeing this. Parts of it are, I I understand. Parts of it, I'm like, I don't know about that one. Parts of it are just, oh, that was really, really kind. Thank you. And I had to teach myself, sit with myself, and respond appropriately, not just once. Write it all down, sit with it, journal about it, look at it again and again, and see pieces of me that I frankly am not aware of. It's been eye-opening. That sounds like a wonderful process. Write down your appreciation mice for yourself. This is what I like about me. This is what I appreciate about me. It can be a beautiful process. And you're right about the... I think I'll do that. I'm going to have to do that. I've never actually done that. I've always done it in conjunction with what other people have said to or about me, but not just coming from me. Mm, Okay, great. So now we've got a second piece of paper, listeners. You can write at the top of the second piece of paper, appreciation mice, and perhaps on, uh, you could do one sheet for what you appreciate about others. But the most important sheet we're getting out of this conversation is, is the one for you. This is what I appreciate about myself. You know, I've been, Denise, I've been um, really diving into self-care uh, in the last a few weeks and months and maybe years and it's a full-time job I'm discovering and when I and when I can start to get present to everything I've been doing for myself the exercise that I do the nutrition the supplements the working with the therapist working with a coach the the fasting the, it's just it's it's endless and when I start to get present to that, I'm feeling it right now in my body. I'm feeling a glow. I'm feeling a real appreciation. Like, David, you've really got my back here. Thank you so much for everything that you're doing, particularly when it gets really hard. And so I'm, I'm just grinning from ear that, to ear, right, feeling that appreciation. That is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I try to get better about caring for myself. We all do. We're all like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to run through McDonald's. Don't do that. That's poison. Just don't do it. Don't eat sugar. Drink a lot of water. There's a lot of things that you can do. But we always have a reason why, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. Procrastination is one of the worst habits of mine. I mean, I could take a degree in procrastination if I felt like it. And I struggle with it because I've always got a hundred things going on. I'm trying not to traumatize myself with, you know, multitasking all the time. 
And I'll go to bed at night. I bet you used to do this too. I'll go to bed at night and go, really? What did you do for yourself today, just for yourself? And the answer is not always a big zero, but it's maybe just one or two things. And then I'm mad all over again. <laughs> you got quite the cycle going there. <laughs> That's it. Well, okay, so how did how did you get started doing this? Because I know when we had a big talk about when you were in Colorado and there was a lot of things going on there that – really weren't working for you. So when you moved to California, what triggered this take care of me response? Wow. Um, I mean, I don't know what triggered it a year or two ago, but I, I started, um, oh, you know, I was thinking of hiring a coach. And then I thought, what what would we do together? And then I realized I know what to do. You know, should I hire a coach to help me do it or should I just do it? And I decided, why don't we try doing it first? So I made a list of everything and then I went and did it. I went and joined a gym and I got myself back into squash. and I got myself regularly walking and exercising. Uh, and I um, then went and found myself a, uh, a, a really good doctor. And I said, all right. Let's do all the tests. Let's get me all the supplements that I need. Let's get everything. And so I'd already started the process of self-care. And I'm a big fan. With my clients, I get them habit. It's hard to just create 20 new habits at once. But you can do a couple this week. And after a couple of weeks, when you've got those in, you can stack another habit on top and then another habit on top. So I started getting some really good habits in Colorado, and then I moved. A lot of those fell by the wayside, and I was doing a lot of coping here, just just getting by, working on my acting class, launching a book, getting my apartment set up. It was intense. And then one day, I did a medicine journey. Anyone who's like, well, what's a medicine journey? It's usually code for taking something that's illegal that's going to help open your mind and your spirit in your body and give you some kind of insights. Uh, some people use psychedelics, becoming very popular these days. You can even... Again, um, huh? you, Yeah, well, you can I'm even thinking, take these medicines. I'm thinking hate Ashbury. That just popped into my head. Yeah, yeah, right. So we're coming back in a cycle now where people are like, hang on, maybe there's a lot more to this than we think, and maybe there's uh, even CEOs going sitting and doing medicine journeys in Silicon Valley Nowadays, you, depending on the state you're in, you might even be able to go and do it legally with a therapist. So I have a prescription for, for a medicine, and, I, and I, I took it. I went in deep. And what came out of it was, well, David, if you could play any game in life and you got to play one before you die, what would that game be? And I looked at the acting game, which is very rewarding right now. I looked at the coaching game and being of service. And what came up was I would play the foundation game. I would play the David game, which is radical self-care for David. I just want to see what that looks like and what that would feel like doing, say, six months of that. And then on top of that, sure, we can see what happens in terms of acting and coaching and writing and speaking and all of that. But let's do this one first. And I had never in my life 
made self-care my number one priority. And so it was a big shift. I felt it in my body. I said, this is my choice. And it's not always easy, and it's a full-time job I'm discovering, but it's also in integrity because it's, it's not something I force my clients to do, but often my clients are, are asking for, I need to take care of myself better. And so I help them day in, day out to do that while we're working on business success, doubling the revenue and their time off. It's like, let's get to self-care so your foundation is strong. So now I get to come in and do integrity in that I'm now uh, at least better than I was, say, six weeks ago. I'm more walking the talk. Didn't Elon Musk talk recently about what you're talking about? I think psychedelics were mentioned. Maybe it was somebody else, but I have been noticing that that's a topic now. What it hadn't been, but all of a sudden, and I read a lot. I read on the internet a lot, and I, you know, I pick up little tidbits, and sometimes I follow up, sometimes I don't. But I know that that's now something that people are paying attention to. Not, you know, running around to, you know, drop acid is that the correct term, and then drive a car. That's not what they're doing. They're trying to go deeper in internally. Yeah, yeah. There's a book. Oh, I think it's called A Really Good Day. And what I love about the book, I didn't, haven't read the book. I, I listened to an interview by the author who was a prosecuting attorney. And she wrote this book about her experience with her dosing um, psychedelics. I think it was LSD. And I love that she came out publicly and said, look, I used to prosecute people for taking these drugs. And I, I was ready to kill myself. And finally, I tried microdosing this, and it completely changed my life. A lot, and there's a book called Stealing Fire, uh, also Changing Your Mind, I think it's called, by Michael Pollan. Um, these books are about how CEOs and, and other leaders and different creatives are looking to different ways to create different states. One of them is psychedelics. You can use dance. And movement, you can use prayer, deep prayer and meditation. I've always been into whatever's alternative, whatever's taboo. I say if it's going to help make your life be better, then great. I, I would say do it responsibly. Find out the legalities. Make sure that you're, you, know, you might talk to your doctor. Find out you'd probably want a progressive doctor. Um, during Boulder, was, he knew the people who were doing the cutting-edge research on, on, on taking psychedelics. Um, but yeah, do it responsibly, do it legally. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't have anything more to say after that. I was thinking maybe there should be some way to wrap this up, but I'm a fan of whatever is going to make life better. That's what I'm a fan of. This has been a fascinating and wide-ranging conversation. I mean, we, we went yeah. from talking to mouse naming to talking about, you know, finding different ways to access your brain. Listen, I know, we all know if we're paying attention that as humans we only access a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of who we are, our brain, our souls, whatever you want to call it. And any time I can learn something new from my guests or from a great book that I read, I'm in. I want to know more because I feel like my brain is 
kind of just stuck inside my cranium, not doing a whole heck of a lot, even though I know better. But I think it could be better. I think I could do a lot, lot better. And I love your idea of self-care because, listen, we're all wandering around. We eat garbage. We, our brain's inflamed. Our body's inflamed. There's a lot going on. So if you take nothing else away from this, take care of yourself. David, before I let you go, where can people find you? Thank you. Uh, com is where you can find me. And you can get the 3D worksheet for free. You can buy the book on Amazon. There's a link to go and buy it. Um, in the menu, if you're interested in coaching with me, if you're a business owner uh, or a leader of some kind and you're already successful in many areas, you go further. If you're interested in that, click on coaching in the menu at mouseintheroom.com and you can apply for a free session. I don't charge for those initial sessions because it's how I find the right people to work with. Um, and you can also find out about my podcast uh, and get on my mailing list if you want to get a, a video every uh, every week. I send out one or two videos that I think will help make your life and work better. You can do all of that at mouseintheroom.com. What is the name of your podcast? Tough Conversations with David Wood. Got it. David, thank you so much for coming back and sharing honestly some wonderful information and some eye-opening and I have work to do (laughs) you've made me have homework thanks a lot but anyway it's it has been wonderful chatting with you and I thank you for all of the terrific tips and the advice that you shared with our audience and before I say goodbye I would like to remind our audience to be sure to look for us in iTunes Honestly, anywhere else you can send your podcast. We are everywhere. You can't throw a stick on the internet, <clears throat> excuse me, without hitting your partner in Success Radio. So find us and take us along on your success journey. David, again, thank you so much. Oh, Denise, it's always a pleasure with you. Get your voice heard. If you would like to launch your own far reaching podcast, Contact Denise Griffiths at yourofficeontheweb.com and go to the podcast tab. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.